everybody. Welcome back to our Growtential podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm with my dad, Doc. We're a father-daughter duo who is excited to talk to you today about the idea of game-changing mindsets. Last month, you would have uh, heard us talk about our peace game-changing mindset. And this week, we are going to be talking about the owner's mindset. How have you been? Excellent. How about you? I'm great. I'm glad to be here with you today. I'm glad to be here this morning, especially since I rode my motorcycle. I know. I heard we're at my house, and I heard my dad pull up in his motorcycle. I could hear it roaring down the street. I said, someone's day looks bright. <laughs> okay, so um, you obviously, you started this church uh, over 40 years ago. Yes. And um, I've seen you have that entrepreneur heart. I've seen you have this owner's mindset. So I'd love to learn from you a little bit today. And um, can you, when you think about the owner's mindset, um, because we are who we are, scripture and time with God is always going to be what sets our pace, what sets our tone for what we're talking about. So where in scripture, where in the Bible does it talk about, or where have you gleaned this idea of the owner's mindset? Well, this is one of the areas that we're really blessed because Jesus Christ told a parable about it. Uh, He said uh, there was the shepherd of the sheep, And when the shepherd sees a wolf coming, his owner's mindset clicks in and and he addresses the problem. Mm -hmm. He said, but if if you don't have the owner's mindset and you only have a, a hired worker's mindset, when, when the hired worker saw the wolf, he said, this is not my problem. (laughs) And he fled. He ran. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the big things about how we're going to define the owner's mindset is to have the owner's mindset, you are taking accountability and responsibility for the outcome, for your life. I think so often um, how we grow up or things that have happened to us, it can be such a hindrance to our future. And with this owner's mindset, it says, listen, I may not like what happened. I may not... um, There might be some real trauma with what happened, but I am going to take ownership of my life. I am going to have responsibility over what I do and don't do. Um, So I've seen you do this day in and day out. And the one thing that I've loved about you is that your big heartbeat is you've always taught us that we move to the problem. Over and over and over again. I think since I was a little girl growing up in the house, it was like when there is a problem, we attack it. And that's what the owner's mindset does. Yes, it does. Can you share a time in your life where that made uh, sense to you, where it really clicked that this is how I am going to take ownership of my life and I'm going to lead, I'm going to move to the problem? I'm not really sure if I can pinpoint... uh one time an exact example i do have memories of i was an assistant pastor before i uh started christ church and um i have memories of saying we are not even uh talking about the problem let alone trying to solve it yeah and i don't this is not what i want Mm -hmm. uh 
I, uh, I knew I needed uh, an environment where um, I had the responsibility uh, and the opportunity to fully engage in making things better. Yeah. And one of the things that I like have seen in our DNA and our culture as a church um, at Christ Church is this whatever it takes mindset. Can you speak on that? Yeah, we just uh, we've just been through it uh, <laughs> with trying to ship some stuff to the orphanage in Uganda. Yeah, we hit every roadblock. Still in hit. the roadblock, if you can even believe it or not. Okay, we'll solve this. We are. We uh, we've got the stuff in Uganda now. It's just getting it to the orphanage, mm-hmm. and we'll figure that out. Yeah, I remember when uh, we were um, talking to banks about uh, uh, borrowing money for our first building. Yeah. So our plan was raise half and borrow half. And um, I spoke to a banker, and uh, he just lit into me, told me that I was being ridiculous, that there's no way our church could afford this this level of loan, that I was going to ruin the church, that uh, uh, nobody would ever loan us money. And um, I remember saying to him, you know, you can tell me that we don't fit your profile. You can tell me that you, you don't think we are uh, a good uh, uh, partner with you. But you can't tell me what we can and cannot do. Mm-hmm. Because we will it alone and we will build this church. Yeah. And uh, uh, before the year was out, uh, there were three banks competing to give us a loan. Yeah. You know, that just clicks in my mind. I think something with this owner's mindset of, listen, I'm going to do whatever it takes is there has to be a healthy dose of optimism in your life. Um, how do you remain optimistic when maybe things are stacked against you? Well, I think some of it is you're just, some people are just naturally blessed with, uh, but I do have a deep faith in God. I have a, I have, a, I live in the realm of providence. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have an inner expectation that God is at work in the world in incredible ways, and if I can draw near to Him, I'm going to be part of that. I have this expectation that the God of providence is, uh, uh inviting me to be his partner in doing incredible stuff. Let's go. All right, so providence then, you kind of just explained it, but providence is the idea of that God is moving through history. He's yes. moving to work and will according to his good plan and purpose. Yes. And so being in his providence, what does that look like? How do you how do you initiate? How do you grab on? How do you exist in that reality? So basically, it's our church DNA, we say, we try hard things. Mm -hmm. We try hard things because we live in the realm of providence. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I read the Bible, uh, the greats of the Bible tried things that nobody else would try. Nobody wanted to fight Goliath, but David did. Yeah. Nobody wanted to confront Pharaoh, but Moses did. Mm -hmm. 
nobody wanted to take on the uh, kings of uh, uh, the Canaanites, but Joshua did. And nobody believed Paul could do what he did. They lived in the realm of providence. Mm-hmm. They had this incredible sense that God is at work in the world in amazing ways. And they tried hard things and God did phenomenal things. Yeah. I think that's something that always inspires my heart as a leader, as a mom, as just a wife, a woman of faith, that God is moving in this world and my heart longs to be connected to him. My heart longs to be partnered with him. And listen, I'm going to do whatever it takes. If my kids are struggling, you better believe I'm going to do whatever it takes to help them, to connect them to Christ. If my husband's struggling, I'm going to be on my knees praying my guts out for him and encouraging him and loving him. And so the whatever it takes attitude is so important because... I feel like the unholy one wants to snatch us right out of that and shrink us down to fear and discouragement and pessimism and the whatever it takes. I don't know. It inspires my heart because I feel like the owner takes the ownership of saying whatever this problem needs to get better, I'm going to do what it takes. Yes, I will go the second mile. If one mile doesn't get me there, I'll go the second mile. Mm-hmm. If two miles doesn't get me there, I'll go the third mile. Yeah. You know, we talk about this a lot as a leadership team. So there's a leadership team of four or five that um, helps do all the big thinking for the church and all our campuses. And something you say a lot is um, you're going to be in the middle of the hardest problems that we have to solve. And that is the do whatever it takes mindset of there's going to be problems that our staff can handle. There's going to be problems that arise that our leaders and volunteers can handle. But the biggest problems of the church, we're going to be in it, in the thick of it. And hey, I appreciate you mentoring me in that way. I think it sometimes can go under the radar because most people don't know. No, they don't. They don't know the thick of it or the hardest problems. We have a study day coming up August 7th, 8th, and 9th. And we are going to be talking about the future and some of the hardest things that our generation is facing as a leadership team so that we can lead the church into a healthy future. Um, and no one will know about that. No. You know? But so I appreciate your heartbeat of of moving to the hard, of being problem solver, of whatever it takes, we're in it because we have the owner's mindset. And, you know, that leads me to think something. So I've been on staff 16 or 17 years now, and um, I've been volunteering since I was a 16-year-old girl. So the majority of my life has been serving in this church in one capacity or the other. And over the last couple of years, I've moved back to our Columbia Station campus and have been just directly uh, being mentored by you in a really great way. Um, But one of the things that have really captivated my heart with your leadership style is how thoughtful you are. And I think the owner's mindset has to be thoughtful. Yes, it does. You have to be asking yourself hard questions. You have to be keeping yourself accountable. You have to be taking time to to think and um can you tell us what does your plan and review time what does your 
why do you set that space in your life up and how does it look for you? So I have a plan and review day every single month. And uh, I've been doing this for uh, 30 years. Um, I learned that if I held myself accountable, uh, then my response, the elders don't hold me as accountable as I hold myself. And the way the church is stacked is, or how kind of the overarching leadership platform is, we have a group of eight to ten elders and then they help oversee the big picture of the church the big vision the big movements of the church and you they are you are responsible to the eldership team yes okay uh so if i hold myself accountable i will always be uh a level above the people around me who are holding me accountable mm-hmm. because I'm going to hold myself more accountable than they hold me. Yeah. So basically what I do is every single month, uh, I say this month, I want, these are the things I want to get done. And then my next plan review day, if I don't get that, I take out my list and I say, what did I get done? If I didn't get something done, I hold myself accountable right there. And I do this on notebooks. I say, uh, why didn't you get this done? And then I say, okay, I just avoided it. I didn't want to do it, and I avoided right. it. Right. So I, it's, it goes to the top of my list for the next month's work. Yeah. Because if you avoided it last month. Yeah. All right. So I hold myself accountable. I'm so sorry. I step all over you. I was listening That's back right. to some of our podcasts and I was like, will you let the man talk? I just have a question really quick because you just hit on something that I think I just want to go a step deeper. When you hold yourself accountable, because listen, you avoided something you didn't want to do. We all have the tendency to do that. We all have things in our life that are like, uh, putting that one off or holding it for later. But the owner's mindset is you do hold yourself accountable for things. Yeah. How do you hold yourself accountable in the kind of way where you push yourself to do the right things? You push yourself to do the things you don't want to do. Do you have any advice on that? Uh, the only advice I have is do the hardest thing first. Okay. If you do the hardest thing first, then everything else somehow or another seems to fall in line right. It's like, uh, yeah, okay. Um, plus, uh, don't blow it off when you don't live up to what you said. Mm-hmm. I mean... I got to make a big deal with that with myself. Mm -hmm. I can't make excuses for myself and say, oh, it isn't that important. Uh, uh, That's where I power up with myself and say, uh, look, this this is not who you said you would be. Mm -hmm. This is not how you promised uh, uh, yourself and God you would lead. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when you when when you talk to yourself that way. Now, I'm not going to be abusive and call myself names and everything else. Sometimes. <laughs> but, but I am going to be stern with myself and say, okay, this goes to the top of the list. And, uh, Sarah, I put stuff into my calendar then. That's a great point. So it yeah. shows up on Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock that I said I would I would engage this. Yeah. I like that you said that you... 
you own up to the fact of what you had said that you with God, you basically said, listen, I said I'd be accountable to God for this. Um, that always seems to help me set the tone for what I want to accomplish in a healthier way. There's times in my life where I've had to stop bad habits and like I would give myself every excuse in the book of why I could keep doing that bad habit. Um, but at some point I had to get real with myself and say, okay, what do I really want for my life? What, what is this one life that God has called me to? What am I trying to accomplish with him? And when I connected those things and the things I was trying to do with God, it gave me a broader view of what I was trying to do and the bigger purpose of why I needed to stop wasting my time on the bad stuff. Does that make sense? It's kind of like what we talked about yesterday, where the life of God, uh, Christ is a vine, we're the branches, and the life of God makes us someone we couldn't have been without him. That's exactly right. Okay, I'm sorry for the detour. It just felt... No problem. Okay, so you're planning review days. Right. So you ask yourself, um, this is what I wanted to get done, and then you hold yourself accountable the next. Why didn't I? You put it on your calendar with the things that you didn't. What are other things you ask yourself in that that time of just being thoughtful and, right. and reviewing? So uh, what what's not working? Uh, okay, do we have a department that's underperforming? Uh, is there is... Uh, who who needs more mentoring in what? So uh, uh, the people that I'm mentoring, I write their name down. And then I try to say, okay, I'm going to try to add value to them this month in this way. Yeah. Uh, I write down, uh, I, I, I have a line that says the elders. And I say, I'm going to try to add value to the elders in this way. So... Uh, if you if you don't plan like this, you're driving the bus blind. Mm-hmm. But if you if you sit down and you do some serious thinking, then you have a good plan for the month. Uh, and when you know what you want to do, then you recognize uh, as as you go through the week, you start recognizing. Okay, this will help. This fits. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're gonna have to put that off for later because we're doing this now. With that plan. You become more competent than than if you're just doing your day-to-day tasks. Yeah, and I think it's so easy to fall in that stinking routine of just living day-to-day. Just let the life pass you by. Just go in and out of whatever comes your way. And this is why I value your leadership is because it is so thoughtful. It is always thinking ahead. And this is something that um, my husband Jacob and I, we've taken into our personal life. And we went on a date one time and we said, let's look into the future for five years. Like, what do we want for our family and our life in five years? And instead of making it like stressful and overwhelming, we just dreamed together. And we made fun, like five things we put on that list. And don't you know, we hit most of those five things. You usually do. And it's because we took the time to think and say what was important to us and then orchestrate our family and our life and our finances in the kind of way that made that a reality. 
And it's by the act of saying, I am the owner of my life. I am accountable. I'm responsible for where it's headed, for what I'm doing. And I'm going to be thoughtful in it. You hit, and I'd like to hit this quickly, the mentorship idea. I think every owner has to say, um, how am I bleeding into the next generation? Yes. And you have done a phenomenal job at this. Can you, um, can you just share why has this been so important in your life? Um, I, had, uh, I had one real mentor in my life, Dr. Douglas. Um, and, uh, it, uh, it, uh, it, it changed the kind of person I was. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I experienced the value of, um, someone I respected, uh, taking interest in me and helping me to become better. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, I, when I, when the church was uh, younger and uh, I would visit other churches and sometimes I would try to get an appointment and often I couldn't get an appointment. Mm -hmm. And I kind of said to God, uh, all right, this is something you can count on me for. Mm -hmm. uh, I will invest in... Uh, Plus, I am ambitious for the Century Church plan. Yeah. And you can't have a Century Church and not continually mentor young people. That's right. So one of the models of Christ Church is um, we don't want to just be a one-generation church or maybe a two-generation church. We want to be able to have a century, century plan where we are continually bleeding into the younger generation. Um, because they are taking over. They are going to be what's next. And it is an exciting thing to be a part of. Does it excite your heart yes. and soul when you see like our crew come through and now the next crew is coming through? Does that light you on fire? Yes, it does. It, it, it makes me feel like uh, we've, we have been the church. Yeah. Uh, one generation declares your mighty deeds mm -hmm. to another. Amen. I was sitting with my family. We um, went to my daughter's house yesterday after church and cooked out. And all the kids had just been on a mission trip. And their hearts are on fire for God in the kind of way that every parent just, I don't know, just dreams of and wants for their children. And they were just sitting around and we were just dreaming a little bit of like what God's doing and um, it was the healthiest, most beautiful conversation. And we went on a walk and we just, we had a great day, but the idea of our, of my kids now getting excited about what church looks like for their generation. I don't know. It's just a really powerful thing. Yeah. If we want our kids to love God when they're adults, <laughs> yeah. we've got to make sure that we invest in them when they're kids. Mm-hmm. We got to have programs that uh, 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 meet their needs and inspire them. And even as like a parent, uh, one of the things that I always felt was so important and is probably instilled from you and mom, but I like I just didn't want to fight with my kids about everything. I yeah. didn't want everything to have to be a fight. 
the main things I wanted to do was how do I connect them to Christ in their pain? How do I connect them in Christ to Christ when they're struggling with the hard things of junior high or of high school? And um, connecting them to Christ was always more important to me than getting angry or grouchy about the dumb things. And I think that is a level of thoughtfulness as the owner's mindset for your family. Like what is the true priority here? You know, what's worth the fight and what is not worth the fight? All right. I want to round this uh, off and wrap up here with this last idea of the owner's mindset. And it's the idea that the owner is going to take ownership. (laughs) Very thoughtful with my words here. The owner's going to take ownership of inspiring, encouraging others. Talk to me about what you, you were able to share with us your mentor, his name was Doc. Um, what, what, how did he encourage you or how did he inspire you in the kind of way that fueled you? Well, first of all, he was the first adult man who took me seriously. Mm. You know, I, I knew him in my early 20s and he was the first adult man who took me seriously uh, uh, and uh, and gave me a sense that um, uh, he valued me. Mm. Uh, uh, the second thing he did was he had a um, he had an he had a uh, he had an unusual way of uh, uh, challenging me. So we would be we would talk about some idea uh, in theology, and he go, "Is that your opinion?" Or is that sound theology? Mm. So that meant uh, I needed to go look up. And uh, we (laughs) studied uh, Charles Hodge's systematic theology together. That meant I needed to go look it up in Hodge. Yeah. So uh, he had this very pleasant way. Hodge is not easy. I tried that one. Well, I love you said to really, truly encourage and inspire just listening to how he did it for you was he took you serious. Yeah. When you take someone seriously, you invest in them in a different kind of way. Yes. When you believe in someone and you, th- you do truly see their value, that it's not just you're trying to get something done and who can help you get there. It's more of like what can God do in their heart, mind, and soul that you can help unleash, that you can help inspire and build upon so that um, something beautiful can happen. Yes. I think as a dad, as my mentor, you have done that for me in so many times where I have been discouraged or I have been, I'm struggling and you've called out the best in me. And you have, you continually inspire, not just for the moment, but I think back again to the providential movement of God, like, listen, God's at work in this. Um, You saying that I'm, you just gave me this book, Courage is Calling. And on the way home, I said, I think my dad wants me to work on the idea of courage a little bit more. (laughs) So I think, I think you got it from your mentor, mister. (laughs) So I'm going to be reading Courage is Calling. uh, All mentoring has to have a degree of challenge. Yeah. Uh, and it's it, 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 the more you mentor, you can see, I can be a good mentor this person, 
because the way I cha- way I challenge, they respond to. Mm-hmm. Doc could be a good mentor to me because the way he challenged me, I responded to. Yeah. Now, he challenged other young men in the same way, and they felt insulted. Okay. Uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so it's like finding the rhythm of what your person needs or what yeah. your group needs or what your family needs. Um, I there's that it's a little cliche but it's the idea of you'll never forget you may forget what people said but you'll never forget how they made you feel and I always think about that with this level of like encouragement and um, inspiration all right well thank you so much for joining us we appreciate your time listen if this is helpful or you find value in this could you rate us could you please share it with a friend share it with a family member And um, feel free to message us and let us know what you're interested in learning about. Um, I'll attach our email in the notes section and you can email us if you have any suggestions or ideas. We look forward to hearing from you. Have a great week.